did Jimmy Hart hit the referee? The people are pointing to Jimmy Hart. He hit the referee. Jimmy Hart wouldn't hit the referee. Hogan was winning. Hogan had the man beaten. Hogan had him pinned. The giant is still out. Something had to happen. A fan threw something. He got hit in the head. That's what happened. I bet you anything. They've been throwing cups all night here. All right. He's telling Jimmy Hart to watch the referee. He pushed the referee down. Jimmy Hart is attacked. Hulk Hogan for God's sake. Jimmy, run for your life. And the Giants back up. What is Jimmy Hart doing? Did he fall off the roof and hit his head? And now with the referee down, Hulk Hogan in the clutches of the Giants and at the mercy of the Dungeon of Doom. Jimmy Hart. I don't think they're concerned anymore with winning the title. They're going to finish off Hulkamania. Here comes Luger and Savage. Wait a minute. And the Yeti. Look at the size of that man. Luger, look at Luger. Luger stopping Savage. Jimmy Hart was in Luger's corner all along. And Hogan is still in the clutches of the Giant. Those big massive arms are still wrapped around Hulk Hogan. What in the hell is going on? And who is on whose side? You are seeing the end of Hulk Hogan. It was a good career. You had a great run. But it's over. It is over. The Yeti is taller than a giant. Look at the size of the Yeti. Is that a head he's got or a stump? Look at the size of this man. He's going to be seven feet eight. Lex Luger has Hulk Hogan up. In the torture rack. Well, you better get an envelope to send Hogan home. Jimmy Hart, Lex Luger, they've all turned their back on the world champion. Welcome, everyone, to Where the Big Boys Play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro. I am your host, Tim Root, through this week-by-week breakdown of WCW's flagship show, where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. I am joined today by our very own version of the Steiner Brothers, Big Papa Pump Dave Amantorp. All right. And, of course... And, of course, the dog face gremlin, John Amendola. I almost wore my Big Papa Pump t-shirt. I left it in the dryer. Now yeah, that really Dave would have been the dog face gremlin. Much I would have treatment, yeah. All right, today is October 30th, 1995. We are in Dayton, Ohio, in front of 3,500 fans, 2,500 of whom paid 
for a total of $31,000. So not a bad house. Not as much paper as we've seen in the past. It's a smaller arena, but they've done a good job of mostly filling it up. That was a very nice cold opening that you had for this podcast. Oh, and, yeah. Thank uh, you. Just wanted to make a note that that is not how this Nitro started. Unlike the previous pay-per-view in which they did the cold opening with uh, the end of Fall Brawl. But this time, for reasons that they haven't explained, it takes an incredibly long time for that footage to get to the arena. Yeah, we'll we'll cover the ongoing saga of the footage <laughs> as we go by. But uh, I'd love to give you folks a pay-per-view report of Halloween Havoc, which took place the uh, the preceding evening mm-hmm. on October 29th, ninety five. Johnny B. Bad defeated Diamond Dallas Page for the television championship. Macho Man Randy Savage defeated the Zodiac, who subbed in for Kamala, who has left the company. So that was advertised as Kamala, but he was on a per-appearance deal and uh, wanted to be full-time. They said no. He said, I'll see you later. So uh, (laughs) no more Kamala, uh, despite the audience begging for more Kamala (laughs) matches. That, that match also was like 90% getting a fan out of the ring. That's true. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Kurosawa defeated Road Warrior Hawk. Sabu defeated Mr. JL. Lex Luger defeated Meng by disqualification when Kevin Sullivan really weakly kicked Luger. Uh, so that would ensure that he would get the victory. But also, I th- it seems like the motivation is so that he would have to have another match. So they're kind of weakening their enemies, I guess, is maybe the motivation. Maybe. Um, But as we see, that motivation wouldn't make any sense given the events that take place later. So no matter what you think the motivation is, none of it really makes a lot of sense. Right. So just pick whatever one you want. Especially because Luger and the Macho Man come out together later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The ending. uh, So technically Sting and Ric Flair defeated Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson uh, but that was another disqualification finish because Flair turned on Sting. What? And reformed the Four Horsemen with Pillman and Anderson. So after Sting the, got betrayed. We have seen weeks of the build of this storyline with uh, Flair and Arn feuding. Uh, eventually, Flair recruiting Sting to help. Uh, it's it's gone on weeks, and it all was a setup for this moment, which logically makes no sense. But it actually is pretty uh, a cool moment on the show because Flair has been attacked uh, supposedly by Pillman and Arn before mm-hmm. the event. So he doesn't come out for the match. It's just Sting in a handicap match. Uh, Flair eventually makes his way out, and he is just emoting a storm on the outside of the ring yeah. trying to build for the tag. Mm-hmm. And Sting finally hits the hot tag. The crowd goes nuts. Flair comes in the ring. Comes off the rut, the rope, struts, and attacks Sting, and it's just hilarious. Yeah, and the, the thing is, uh, uh, Flair comes out six minutes into the match. Yeah, it's ten more minutes of wrestling before wow. the tag. I didn't so realize that. That's so like, to his credit, Flair really, really gets you still involved yeah. without the tag ever happening. Hulk Hogan defeated the Giant in a monster truck sumo match. <laughs> Uh, which is then followed by the Hulk Hogan throwing the giant off the top of the arena, uh, presumably murdering him. It's, it seems it seems like he that's murder. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot that we could say about that, but again, we're we're not really covering pay per views in depth. Um, but again, you could find this on the network and and watch it for yourself. <laughs> I shouldn't even say that because you can watch Nitro on the network. Don't don't get the network. Cancel your network subscriptions. <laughs> Only listen to 20 years of Nitro, everyone. <laughs> Randy Macho Man Savage defeated Lex Luger. 
in the blow-off to their little feud, and then the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan by disqualification when Jimmy Hart, Hogan's manager, hit the referee with the WCW heavyweight title. Hart then uh, hit Hogan, and the entire Dungeon of Doom attacked Hogan. Lex Luger came out with Ron- with Macho Man and proceeded to fully turn heel, and uh, dropping his tweener persona and participating in the assault on Hogan and, and Macho Man. The Dungeon of Doom is joined by the Yeti, who, as we mentioned in last week's episode, is essentially just a really tall mummy. Uh, he comes out while the giant has Hogan in a bear hug and just starts kind of humping him from behind. Like tickle hugging there's, him. There's really no other way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. They're just sandwiching him, and he's just yeah. kind of hugging Hogan and shaking. Uh, in the words of Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer uh, newsletter, it started out as a great angle but turned into something campy in the worst way when the guy wrapped in toilet paper showed up and tried to have sex with Hogan. <laughs> That's Meltzer at his best. This show would uh, end up getting a 0.6 buy rate uh, for a total income of $1.74 million. So that's down from last year's Halloween Havoc, which featured Hogan Flair, but it is up over last month's Fall Brawl. So it is trending upward, but still down from a year ago. And I suppose that um, that pay-per-view was had about five weeks of nitro to hype it up. Whereas um, fall brawl, there was only two episodes of nitro beforehand and they didn't spend any of those episodes hyping fall brawl. Really? Yeah. Only the main event. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we, we had a lot of turns there. So flair turns reforms, the horseman, Uh Jimmy Hart turns. Yep. Lex turns. Mm -hmm. Am I missing anybody? I think that's it, but that is a shit ton for a single pay-per-view. Right. So what will the fallout be? Well, to start Nitro, Eric Bischoff promises us that we will see exclusive first look footage of Halloween Havoc. He claims that we are literally simply waiting on the footage to arrive at the arena. Right. Why wouldn't they bring the footage with them? It's the same production team from the pay-per-view. Actually, with WCW, I could believe they would promise something they weren't prepared (laughs) to deliver on. Um, Something else that Bischoff says, too, right to open the show, he says something like... uh, for the first time, we're bringing new exclusive footage from the pay-per-view last night. Right. And he says that lasted 24 hours before the pay- or after the pay-per-view ended. <laughs> right. What other opportunities did we miss there? Yeah. <laughs> were they going to air it on midnight? Like, yeah. <laughs> Pepe has a witch's hat and a cape on in celebration of Halloween. Uh, he's one of the only mentions of Halloween because even though we are actually just the day before Halloween now, they've already had their Halloween-centric pay-per-view. So it seems like they're not going to play up the fact that we're actually still very close to Halloween. Uh, we do get a few times when they go to commercial break that the Nitro logo is a like a jack-o'-lantern. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, and I, I feel like at the beginning they forgot to do that, and then like during the show they remember to switch it, because mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing it right away. Heenan claims that he hasn't slept from last night, uh, <laughs> and his, his reaction to the main event and the things that happened with Hulk Hogan... Mongo told, tells us that if we didn't watch Halloween Havoc, we have rocks in our head just like Bobby Heenan. Mongo immediately going to his classic tropes of rocks in your head uh-huh. and comparing people that are dumb to Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan, who just said he just watched Halloween Havoc. Yeah, it, Mongo, <laughs> he, whenever he doesn't know what to say, it's rocks in your head and Bobby Heenan is, is bad. Yeah. Also, there's no evidence that Mongo actually watched the pay-per-view. There's no way he actually watched the show. No way. (laughs) Or or I hope he did and he had to pay for it himself. (laughs) (laughs) Eric Bischoff tells us that Macho Man is out with injury tonight. Presumably it's that arm 
Uh, I don't know if he's really that injured or if they're just giving him the night off. But uh, he was supposed to wrestle Craig Pittman. Uh, instead, Eddie Guerrero will be filling in in his place. Pittman comes out shouting drill instructions at various uh, angry audience members. He's drawn some good heat from these people. They do not like this dude barking orders in their face. Also, he got pyro, which seemed really weird. Huge pyro. Yeah. yeah. Like better than Harlem Heat pyro. Way better than Harlem Heat. <laughs> I wonder if it's just whoever gets introduced first on the show gets some big pyro. That's, because... that's sort of what I thought, that they want to, like, right away the first person comes out. It's a big deal. But, like, it just, for his character, it doesn't really work. Eric Bischoff uh, claims that WCW has been inundated with people calling and faxing in to find out what happened at Halloween Havoc. And I love the idea of someone sending a fax right. to ask <laughs> what happened at a pay-per-view. I wrote that down, too. Fans were faxing in. <laughs> I'm I'm an intense enough wrestling fan where I'm going to sit down and write a little memo and yeah. fax it to WCW. But for whatever reason, I'm not willing to order the pay-per-view. Yeah. Dear WCW, what happened at Halloween Havoc? Sincerely, Tim. <laughs> Love Tim. Love Tim. Pittman uh, in this match does hit three to four great amateur-looking suplexes. I mean, it's a pretty short match, but Uh he gets in some great suplexes. And as I mentioned in the last episode he appeared on, uh, when he hits those kind of amateur-looking moves, you can see what the appeal would be if they could kind of polish him up a little bit. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of uh, Dan Severn and kind of why he didn't work out. Sure. He was sort of... um, Dan Severn's a little like um, what they're doing with Brock now is that they really pushed him as the ultimate fighter, but... He just didn't have, like, the, the it factor right. that mm-hmm. the pit bull also doesn't have here. Yeah, like, uh, Craig Pittman has, like, he can work the crowd. He can wrestle. Um, he seems to have, like, personality in the ring. But, like you said, there's just something where it's, like, it doesn't really come together to as, like, a really yeah. compu- I uh, think, compelling character. I think he'd be a good house show kind of guy. Uh, but WCW is a company that, as we're in the period we're talking about, is cutting back on house shows yeah. because they were losing a ton of money on them. So they're not really, uh, as John pointed out last week, they're not really a live event company. They're a television company. So a guy like Pittman, would, he'd probably be one of the people in this roster better served in the WWF where he could work house shows uh-huh. and his uh, way of connecting with the audience one-on-one while maybe not serving uh, in a television capacity that would maybe be a better use of his particular talents. Yeah. He tries to force uh, the kind of amateur style, and Eddie, of course, being a technical wizard, matches him and hits a great suplex from a waist lock that I thought was really it was a good-looking suplex. Uh-huh. Bischoff starts plugging World War III coming up on November 26th and tells us that we're going to have three ring battle royal with a total of 60 fucking competitors, <laughs> which... Is that how he says it? <laughs> There's 60 fucking men. I'm legitimately excited to see that because I'm a big uh, battle royal fan, uh-huh. and that sounds like an insane clusterfuck, but uh-huh. it could be amazing. And I'm not... I, I don't mean just amazingly awful. Like, I could I could see myself really liking a three-ring 60-man battle royal. Yeah. It all depends on if the production can and the announcing can keep up with the eliminations. And given what we <laughs> tend to see from WCW, I'm skeptical of, of yeah. how that might work out. Um, also... Starting this match and going through the match, Eric Bischoff keeps saying that if Eddie Guerrero wins, it's going to be a huge upset. Yeah. And and for one thing, Bobby Heenan was like, no, no, he has, <laughs> he's won all over the world. And, and plus, Eddie Guerrero wrestles pretty much every week on Nitro and has great matches. Right. And generally he can be wins. the underdog every week, though. And uh, Bischoff also tells us that there is a big rumor going around that Bill and Hillary Clinton watched Halloween Havoc. That is cool. <laughs> 
That's such <laughs> an interesting rumor. <laughs> oh man! Oh yeah, and uh, Bobby calls uh, Hillary the president there too. Oh, I like, missed the that. president Hillary Clinton launches yeah. her last yeah. Pittman uh, also does a smart job of working the same arm that Benoit injured on Eddie Guerrero a few weeks ago, and the announcers actually point that out. So there's a really that's a nice bit of continuity uh, that I enjoyed seeing. Um, because they they'd done a great job of building up that arm injury in the Benoit Guerrero match uh-huh. a few weeks ago. So to bring that up again and have Pittman take advantage of it, that's that's just classic. That's really really smart. Yeah. Pitbull hits a nice belly to belly suplex, and uh, Bischoff confirms that the director has personally assured him that the footage is indeed on the way. So there is currently a WCW intern flying down I-90 right now holding yeah. with, with the footage. I At some point, the way that they're hyping up, I was waiting for the like the overhead helicopter shot of like the oh, convoy. Yeah. Sweet. They should have gone that full. Right. That would have been great. And then you just got to wonder, why is the footage in the helicopter? <laughs> Eddie hits a uh, nice-looking 180 springboard crossbody for two, but Pittman regains control and gets a good powerbomb. As you mentioned before on the show, Dave, Eddie Guerrero can take a powerbomb. That man makes him look fantastic. Eddie then hits uh, a crazy reversal of a hip toss. I know, (laughs) technical term, of course, uh, a crazy reversal. I don't know what to call it, but he's getting hip tossed and he manages to turn it into a really cool-looking pin. Uh, out of nowhere for a one-two-three victory over mm. Craig Pitbull Pitman. Huge upset victory. Yeah. S- yeah. Such a big upset. Short match, but fun. Uh, Pitman looked better than he did in his debut match on Nitro, uh, and Guerrero looked strong as always. So, yeah, I thought this was a pretty good short TV match. Yeah, uh, because the previous match Pitman had, he was doing way too many of those headbutts. Yes, that's right. And Against oh, Kurosawa. Well, no, he, he he has like, like a junkyard standing... dog uh, standing headbutt to the chest. Yeah, and it just, I, I it just looks goofy. But like this match, it seemed like he had a lot, a lot more opportunity to kind of show his whole arsenal. So sure. yeah, this was a better showcase for him, definitely. Yes, and when you're working with an Eddie Guerrero, I think you know anybody can look. I could I could have a decent match with Eddie Guerrero in 1995. You know what I mean? He, he would make me look decent. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> After a commercial, we get a replay of the comical end of the Norton Macho Man match from back on September 11th that caused the issue between Norton and the Shark, where we saw them brawling backstage last week. Uh-huh. That clip is meant to introduce us to a match that they're going to have. So we are actually going to resolve an issue from a month and a half ago wow. here on Nitro. Uh, Bischoff points out that Bobby has disappeared. Yeah. Uh, Heenan is just gone, and Mongo <laughs> speculates that Heenan is old and needed to poop. He makes several jokes like that, and that's just such something the... about being a Metamucil or something like that. Yeah, yep, they yeah. Just, and sometimes you just gotta go. But they, <laughs> for the most part, they seem okay with him being gone, which I thought was a little weird. Well, they don't like him, I guess. So, <laughs> right. And that indeed is the next match, Mongo. But where in the heck did Bobby Heenan go? I mean, we had a commercial break. He got up and left. Brother, you know when you get old, you start taking that Metamucil. When the urge hits, you got to go. Uh, he is gone. Where the heck he went, I have no idea. But uh, Mongo and I certainly here to uh, take over the broadcast duties for the... The shark comes out, and he's still being billed as from the tsunami. Yep. I really wish after it happened once that someone would have told Dave Penzer never say that again. Not that it's his fault. He's not writing this stuff. <laughs> right. 
Uh, Norton is out in a singlet that, if I'm not mistaken, it looked like a complete ripoff of Mr. Perfect's look, was it not? A little bit. I mean, uh, Mr. Perfect's... triangle shape in the back. Yeah. Yeah. And the black on the bottom and the different color on top. But, I mean, at this point, I think Mr. Perfect was generally wearing blue. Yeah, that's true. He comes out, and he seems like he's he's kind of acting as a face, and I'm not sure if that's just for the match or if Scott Norton is a face now. Uh, did you guys pick up on that at all? Or am no, I, I don't think they it? really made him a face at this point. And actually, I think up to this point, he hadn't actually won a match on Nitro yet. So I This don't is think only his made... second match. He oh, really? lost okay. to Macho Man, and okay. this is the second match he's had. Yeah, although that there's an asterisk there that says the shark landed on his leg. Yeah, he has a 600-pound <laughs> man on his leg. But I also like uh, Scott Norton's personality in, in that he is like, taunting and threatening people at all times right he comes out he comes out and is pointing towards a ring and he's shouting threats well in this that's kind of why i thought maybe he was a baby face because this week he's not doing that as much he's not threatening mongo like he normally does right. or the so fans maybe, right yeah. uh so this being a grudge match between two uh huge brawlers uh-huh. the match of course starts with a lockup yes just logical wrestling right there <laughs> The shark seizes uh, control with a belly to massive belly. Yeah, uh, it is. That's a lot of flesh hitting the canvas right there. Bischoff uh, hopes that the ring has been reinforced, which is one of my favorite wrestling tropes. The reinforced ring. Yeah, uh, I just love. I I would love to know what someone does to reinforce a wrestling ring, or that there's the option to reinforce. Right. But most Why not of the just, time they don't yeah, do it, it, it. You don't need that safety yeah, precaution. It's too expensive uh, hauling all that metal from city to city. You only right. bring it in when you're Eight having a concrete <laughs> under the ring. <laughs> but when they find out, oh wait, the shark and Scott Norton are facing each other. We need reinforcements. Norton hits the shark with clotheslines and uh, sort of a flying shoulder tackle, for lack of a better term. He just kind of runs into him with his body. Yeah. <laughs> he manages a pretty nice body slam of the massive shark, which is a good way of showing off how fucking strong Scott yeah, Norton is. He, he, like, picks him up and turns him the whole way and, like, throws him, too. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good-looking body cool. slam. The, they then hit each other with a double clothesline, and they both go down. The ref starts a 10-count. Uh, as they struggle to their feet, we see Bobby Heenan who is over at a table with sort of a Japanese delegation of some kind. Uh-huh. Uh, Bischoff starts to say that we saw these people last week, which, no, we did not. And he <laughs> just sort of trails off as I think he realizes that, no, we've never <laughs> seen these people before. I'm not really sure what happened with that, but, he, yeah, it's very weird. There there was a point uh, during Halloween Havoc at the early on where they mentioned um, him being out eating sushi, which That's I don't right. That's right. Maybe that's what he's referencing. Maybe it was the pay-per-view, and uh, maybe I was thinking that we didn't see him on Nitro. So that could be – maybe there is a reason for that. Uh, Anyway, this is the introduction of the character Sonny Ono. Ono? Ono. Ono. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So we'll talk about him more in the future, but uh, it's interesting. He really has no wrestling background. He's a friend of Eric Bischoff's. They invented – it's some kind of toy or a children's game together. I forget. I, I read about it in uh, Bischoff's book recently. Um, but he's basically like a used car salesman from I- Iowa who Bischoff <laughs> used as a uh, liaison to New Japan simply because it was a guy he knew who spoke Japanese. Oh, he has okay. no wrestling background. Yeah. He's just essentially a translator for Bischoff to use when he talks to the New Japan people. Uh, so why not just throw him as a character and get your buddy a paycheck? Sure. I mean, that's... 
wrestling is often about getting your buddy a paycheck. Mm-hmm. So Bischoff is certainly not the first, nor will he be the last uh, person guilty of this. The match moves to the outside with a whole lot of just sort of general brawling, uh, what you'd expect to see with just two giant guys who are tired because they've done three minutes worth of physical activity. Right. Uh, and they just, a very lame double count-out finish. It just kind of ends with these guys. Yeah, why is the shark out. being protected with that result? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he hasn't beaten anybody else. Yeah, there's no reason point. why Norton, who, as you said, hasn't gotten a win on Nitro, he should have a clean victory here. Yeah. He should have looked stronger. He should right. have. I mean, the shark was beaten in all of like 90 seconds by Sting three or four weeks ago. Why can't Scott Norton get a win? Here? It's, it's, yeah, it's bad decision. We cut back to Bobby, who is eating sushi with his Japanese friend. Uh, that guy then hands Keenan a mystery envelope. So uh-huh. what is going on? Um, when you listen, all Bobby Keenan does is he lists off all the WCW shows. Yeah. And he the response is that he gets, like, an envelope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you exposure on WCW Pro, and he gets, like, $2 million. Maybe, maybe Sonny Ono said, if you can list all of the syndicated <laughs> WCW programs, yeah. I will give you $2,000. And he says, like... <laughs> it's just a fun contest he <laughs> likes to do. He says, like, Saturday evening. And he's like, <laughs> no, wait, it's Saturday night. <laughs> One thing is that Bobby Heenan does the classic shtick where uh, when Sonny Ono turns around, he throws the food away to make it look like he ate it. And when Sonny Ono <laughs> looks back, he nods and says it's really good. Because sushi's terrible foreign-person food. Right. That's just good comedy. That right is there. just good comedy. <laughs> we cut back to the ring where Tony Schiavone is now standing, and he runs down. Uh, he sort of recaps the horsemen reforming and attacking Sting at Hollywood Havoc. I strongly prefer video recaps to Tony Schiavone standing in a ring yelling at me what happened. (laughs) Or I also prefer Mean Gene standing in the ring. Um, So I'm not sure where where Gino is tonight, but it's a real letdown to see Tony Schiavone. Also, it should be noted that WCW Magazine can get their photos to the arena faster than the footage can. Yeah, because yeah, he narrates this to still images of Halloween Havoc. So those have arrived. Yeah. But footage (laughs) still, no. No, that intern is still flooring it trying to get that footage yeah here. oh i hope he makes it on time and that has to be really confusing for the for the crowd because they don't have unlike wrestling nowadays they don't have like a big screen to show these foot these I photos they had so. a little screen by the entrance or no they didn't have one then did they no so they had it for I, like the pay-per-views but not for so Nitro. okay when you're in the audience you're just hearing tony giovanni describing this match that sounds <laughs> terrible which does, does sound terrible Shivani calls the horsemen to the ring, and out they come to Ric Flair's music, uh, and they give a promo, which I'm going to play for you now. Let me start off by saying, this past Saturday on WCW Saturday Night, I never thought I'd be standing in the ring talking to you three, but as we saw, it all happened to Sting just last night. It was a thing of beauty, Tony! The Stinger, he fought for his life! He gave everything he had! And then he hit Slick Rick with the tag. Nature Boy came in, styling and profiling. And then he cut Sting's throat. The carnage that ensued has brought us one step closer to this. The symbol of excellence. Some people call us a gang. Some people call us a militia. We call it a dynasty. The greatest team on the face of God's green earth. 
Tony Schiavone for two years now. Everywhere I've gone, everybody's asked me the same thing. When are you gonna put this back together? And I told them, be careful what you wish for. You just may get it. Now, Sting, do not hold your head down in shame. You did the impossible. You were more man than we ever believed. You fought two of the horsemen for 10 minutes. But pure mathematics and the law of physics will tell you it can't be done. So we all find ourselves today with our hand going into that familiar cramp. There's now three, soon there'll be four, and you know what that means. Tell them, Nate. And brother, does it ever feel good? Oh, oh my God. He is pond scum. Crying out loud. Somebody go get me a bag. Whoa. I want to vomit. Guess what? Guess what? We're back. We're back. And whether you like it or you don't like it, learn by God to love it because it's the best thing going today. Sting, you're like a lot of women we deal with every day. We're going to tell you what you want to hear. We're going to do what we want to do. And if you don't like it, if your friends don't like it, Next Monday night, a Nitro, the Horseman, will be in town, ready to go to work. Woo! And we'll have more after this on Nitro. John, what did you think of that promo? I liked it a lot. Um, yeah, you guys had mentioned that uh, the first few weeks of Nitro, Ric Flair had a lot of great promo time, and... Uh, uh, here he's good too. Um, you know, he talks about like getting the band back together, and I, I like when he, um, when he gets so like uh, passionate that like he yells so hard, like his voice cracks and stuff right. like that. Um, yeah, overall, I thought it was great. And it's unlike it's unlike the master. Whereas when the master yells, then you can't understand right. him. Whereas Flair, he just he adds that to his his enunciation. Basically. Shouting shouting is a part of wrestling promos. Always has been. Always will be. You can still convey varied emotions while shouting the whole time. You really can. And Nate uh, is is a natural at it. Uh, Pillman is pretty good at the shouting promo, and Arn has his kind of stern demeanor. I they their personalities balance really well. Yes. I like the way this promo went. I like Pillman sort of nodding to the fact that there is an open spot, so there's mm. more ex, you know intrigue to come with the Horsemen. Uh, I really like the way that Arn put over Sting in this promo. It's classic wrestling 101. You know, we beat you. We were too much for you. We're heels. There's three of us. Right. Uh, but he still makes sure to point out what a great athlete Sting is. And, mm-hmm. and Nature Nature Boy just flipping out with excitement. <laughs> right. He fucking goes nuts. He's so happy that the horsemen are back together. Uh, so, yeah, this was a great promo. I yeah. loved it. And this is the first of two promos tonight in which someone is, like, pantomiming something that happened the night before. Yeah. Uh, because Brian Pillman gets down onto the mat and pretends like he's trying oh, to that's tag right. Ric Flair. <laughs> Oh, there is there is one moment in here that's uncomfortable, and I don't think you'd see in 2015. They start talking about uh, when they're out in the town and how women sometimes try to deny them, and essentially the same thing happens that happened to yeah. Sting last night. And it's just that's very rapey overtones <laughs> to that yeah. part of the promo, and that would never fly now. And just hearing those kind of things in 2015, you're like, holy shit. Like, he's basically just like, hey, man, when we're out – you know, styling and profile, and if some bitch tells me she's not gonna fuck, I'm gonna 
fuck anyway. <laughs> like that's just, he could have just put it in those words and he yeah. would be saying the same thing that he yeah, says. Yeah, because he's like uh, Sting is like a woman, and, <laughs> and I'm like, uh oh. The best is that uh, Arn Anderson's like. They're looking like a fifty-year-old dad, right. like with his yes. glasses right. and his yes. comb over and stuff. <laughs> not like, into the nature boy. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. He's like, yeah, bitches, right? <laughs> a promo for this coming Saturday night. We learned that Harlem Heat indeed recaptured the tag team belts on last week's show, so uh, they won them back from the American Males and are once again our tag team champions. Sabu then makes his entrance, and he no longer has his evil red entrance. He uh, basically is, is a straight-up baby face this week. So that was sudden. Bischoff uh, informs us that next week, Nitro is going to be interactive and fans can vote on the main event. Stars will be in two locker rooms uh, and we will be able to vote one person from each locker room into the main event. Mm -hmm. So, ooh, there is something to look forward to. Yeah, he mentions the the blue and red locker rooms and he lists off a bunch of wrestlers are going to be like, they're going to be in the red one, they're going to be in the blue one. And I don't know, just kind of what i've gotten used to with wcw it sounds like there's only like really vague rules to this and we'll see how it actually plays out next week well it's very clear from the names in each locker room that the desired outcome from a wcw standpoint is sting and flair because yeah. it's like sting and some guys like yeah, sting uh, and hexa jim duggan D- yeah and- dave sullivan <laughs> And then the other one is like Ric Flair and the Shark and a bunch of other jabronis. Right. So it's very clear that they want Sting versus Flair. And if they go through that trouble to rig something, then I'm assuming that the voting is legitimate. Because, like, if if it weren't legitimate, you'd make it more exciting. <laughs> Out comes Sabu's opponent, and it's Disco Inferno! The Disco Inferno! He gets good fireworks, too, here, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he gets fireworks. Probably. Mostly what I remember is him dancing and looking like he's having the time of his life. Mm-hmm. He is so happy every time he gets to come out on Nitro, yeah. and I just love it. And, why, and, like, why does he even have interest in wrestling? Like, dancing makes him so happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he doesn't have to get in the ring to do that. Hey, when you're that naturally good at something, yeah. you kind of owe it to uh, nature but, to give back. And yeah. so if he's a gifted wrestler, he's compelled to wrestle. He, I'm sure he'd love to be at the clubs. Yeah. You know, that's where he belongs. But he knows that he has a gift given to him by God, <laughs> and he will glorify God by reveling in that gift. And this, and I love a Disco Inferno promo that went along those same lines, oh, yeah. where he just regretted that he has to wrestle because he loves dancing so much, but he's just <laughs> honor-bound to wrestle because he's so good at it. We also saw Disco Inferno the last few times. He didn't have an actual match. He just came out and danced for us. Yeah, he's not wrestled in a while. He's mostly just been making comical little appearances, annoying the shit out of people. And Most in- recently, uh, Road Warrior Hawk. And, and also getting Alex Wright injured by mm-hmm. trying his dancing moves, too. <laughs> right. Uh, so he comes in the ring and dances around a bit and avoids Sabu. He just kind of dodges him and then dances and dodges and dances. But he does eventually eat a punch. Sabu then hits a few of his springboard moves and points at the sky a lot. Sabu loves pointing at yeah. the goddamn sky. I was going to say for this very beginning, like Disco Inferno is legitimately making Sabu look stupid. Because yes. he tries to dive at him and he moves out of the way and dances. And it kind of it seems like when Sabu punches him, I think it's a little bit of a rougher punch because he's getting kind of mad about it. <laughs> uh, one of them... Hits a bulldog kind of on the... They basically go down and they both sell it and it sort of looked like a bulldog, but I don't know who was supposed to be on offense. 
I don't know if they know who was supposed to be on offense. Yeah, I think it's Disco slamming his head into the mat, and he had just taken a few moves. I think he was like down there selling it. It looked weird, though. Disco hits a clothesline and does some disco dancing and checks his <laughs> hair. He then chokes Sabu with the ropes and checks his hair and then dances. <laughs> he eats some punches but gets a low blow and then dances and checks his hair. <laughs> Sabu uh, manages to avoid a splash in the corner and then hits his uh, slingshot flip over the top rope leg drop for the one, two, three, which actually gets a pretty good pop from the crowd. I was actually mm-hmm. surprised, especially because he's been a heel more or less to this point. I mean, also- he's an exciting heel, but he's a heel. Also, during the match, there was a brief uh, Sabu chant going on. So this is maybe uh, one of the areas that's a little bit more smarky and and knows who Sabu is. There's a chant. There's a sign he's getting over with the crowd. So, of course, this is Sabu's final appearance for WCW. What? (laughs) Uh, Come on. He has had some uh, friction with management. They felt like he was brawling outside the ring too much. And he would go over his allotted time. He, meanwhile, was upset because he felt he had been pegged as a cruiserweight. um, And he wouldn't be allowed to work with top guys. So he, without WCW's permission, agreed to a one-time appearance for ECW. Mm -hmm. That would be coming up on November 18th. WCW actually did allow their guys to work outside dates. But not for WWF, ECW, or Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Those were the three you couldn't work for. Okay. Uh, So Sabu just figures that he's going to do this and get away with it. And he doesn't really give that much of a shit because he doesn't like WCW. Um, he tried to call Bischoff to talk about it, but was told that Bischoff was too busy. Uh, so he goes and does it anyway. And there's a little bit more to that story, but we're going to be talking about that on a future episode. Okay. Before, so, that, uh, oh, so that that would probably explain the couple of times before when they've just cut away from him after his matches. Maybe because right, he's, he's, he's overrun. Okay. Yep, yep. I mean, makes sense. when you hear that, then you understand why they cut away. But from just a viewer standpoint, he's fighting a guy out of the ring. He wants to put him through a table. Why are you going to the announcer? Right, right, yeah. Uh, Disco starts heading to the back, but he is leveled by a ta- table that Sabu throws at him. <laughs> yeah. Sabu then sets up the table uh, in the ring, puts Disco on it, and flips over the top rope for like a senton attempt. Uh, the table does not break, though, and Disco manages to run off. Sabu totally flips out, tossing the table and the ring steps. Uh, so I don't know why this isn't retroactively changed to a disqualification like it was when he did the same thing to Alex Wright back in week yeah. two when he debuted. I, I kind of figure it's because he didn't hit his opponent. Land Alex Wright's table. baby face. So. There was one uh, other moment in this match I wanted to mention. It was a really bad Hurricanrana attempt uh, where Sabu jumped... Uh, Disco's on the outside and Sabu tries to jump and hit a Hurricanrana, but he ends up with both his legs on the same side of Disco's head yeah, and just kind of falls down on his back instead. Yeah. Really ugly. So Sabu's uh, WCW uh, tenure was certainly inauspicious. He didn't really... He was just starting to make an impact. It was what you expect out of Sabu. A lot of big spots, but a lot of blown spots as well. Uh He had started to get the crowd onto his side. They were chanting his name, but he... He's just naturally a better fit for ECW. I think that makes sense for all parties involved. ECW, WCW, and Sabu are all much better served uh, with him over there. After a commercial, we get Dungeon of Doom's music playing as the tag team of Meng and Lex Luger comes out with Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. Now, Lex Luger and Meng had like a 15-minute match against each other at Fall Brawl. Yep. uh, Where they were really going at each other. 
I don't. I they they've really done a bad job of explaining how Luger has joined the Dungeon of Doom after legitimately fighting with these guys. Uh-huh. Uh, was was that all just a show to trick Hogan later? See, the only way I it made sense to me would be that the plan they had for Halloween Havoc that Meng was not in on the plan. Sure. Because uh, after the disqualification by Kevin, by the Taskmaster attacking Luger, Meng was, like, upset. He was trying to get, like, answers, and he's pushing Taskmaster. Right. Um, so that was the only way that made sense to me. But in the same aspect, like, if he just was cost this match on a pay-per-view, why on earth would he want to team with the same yeah. guy the if next time? he wasn't night? in on the plan, you know, I think that's maybe just another example of WCW having a big roster, but picking the only guy that doesn't make sense to put in the right. match. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, like they could have had him in like uh, the Zodiac or him in Taskmaster even against American Males, and it would have made some sense, but not him and Ming. That didn't make any sense. Yeah. Bischoff uh, plugs the exciting arrival of that footage. I can't wait. That oh, footage is on the way, so you guys. close. <laughs> Out comes the American Males to some pyro and their amazing theme, which we mentioned back uh you know, I wanted to mention, we, we talked about the chorus, which is certainly the most memorable part of that song. Yeah. But if you listen to the lyrics, there are, again, some strong, rapey overtones at play. Uh, I quote from the lyrics. So the lyrics are addressing women. It's important to note that this is clearly a song aimed at the women that the American males like. Right. Uh, rather than, like, their opponents or anything. <laughs> so one of the lyrics, then, is, if they want to talk to you, you better not listen. You might wind up in critical condition. Ooh, Yikes. like these are you're going to be if if you see these attractive young men at the bar and they try to talk to you, you could end up dying in the hospital. <laughs> that's if that's you fucked don't up. Listen to what they say. These are clean cut white meat baby faces. Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah. Oh, I also want to talk while we're, cl- we're, we're uh, bringing up things from the past. We talked way back in week two about how you could see through the ring apron. And they had lights under there. Yep. Uh, and we never followed up because we we speculated on how long that would last. It actually was only one week. By the next week, in week three, they've put some red uh, through, like, the see-through parts of Nitro. So the letters of Nitro are now red. It's still kind of opaque, so they have lights under the ring that sort of light up the word Nitro. Uh-huh. But it seems like in week two, that ring apron, they just hadn't finished making it yet because it's... It's the um, same thing, but okay. like one week later, they filled it in with some red. Sure. So if anyone has been listening to the show wondering, when are they going to address that ring <laughs> apron? They, uh, it's a dangling thread. Yeah. We promise you that there will be no dangling threads on 20 Years <laughs> of Nitro. We uh, have seen the American Males before, but we didn't really give them much of a, in the way of a proper introduction. So let's do that now. Marcus Alexander Bagwell was signed by WCW after a short time in the Dallas-based GWF. He has been with WCW since 1991, spending pretty much all of that time as a tag team specialist, though he has never won the tag team championships until he joined with Scotty Riggs as the American Males. Riggs, real name Scott Antall, started wrestling in 1992 and spent time in the GWF, USWA, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. After signing with WCW, he was immediately paired up with Bagwell, and as we covered on the show, they won the belts from uh, Harlem Heat, although they have lost them the week before this aired a month before a week before i feel like john wants it was to taped make... a month before but it aired a week before yeah, yeah it looked like you were uh yeah um, not agree yeah, with big my... well, actually um he and the patriot as stars and stripes actually um i think actually beat harlem heat for the titles for like and had them for like three weeks or something like oh okay that, right? yeah but it, generally speaking he was an undercard tag team guy that just about always was just there to put over the heel tag teams 
So the match starts with Meng on offense as we get another commercial, which uh, is another. We've had these before on Nitro where we get a commercial, we get about a minute and a half of something, and then we get another commercial. Yeah. One thing I like uh, right at the beginning of the match, um, Bagwell walks over to the the camera right after the bell rings, and I'm like, oh, he's gonna say something really funny because he's um, he later gets really good at that. Yeah. But he just walks up and whispers, "American males." Because the theme song didn't say it enough. Yeah, I still don't not. know who these guys he's are. Pushing that brand, he's pushing it hard. Coming back from commercial, the males have uh, Luger isolated in the ring, and they're working him over. With the ref distracted, Meng comes in and helps double-team Riggs uh, alongside Luger. The fans chant for Hulk Hogan, but he uh, is nowhere to be found. The rest of this match is really boring. Uh, Shocking with a tag team of Meng and Lex Luger, I know. I did did remember there was a part where Lex Luger and Meng hit the heart attack finisher. Yeah, they did like a double-team on... One of the American males. I don't remember. But I think I w- Scotty Riggs was taking most of Yeah, most match. of this match is them just slowly dismantling rig, uh, Riggs, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, who is not exactly someone brimming with skill and charisma himself. So sure. we've got, yeah. like, Buff is the only interesting, like, character in this match for me. I think I, he's like, the Luger most naturally, moments, like, but, charismatic in-ring wrestler for sure. Right, but, and... At uh, this point, though, he even... Right, and he's, really this is, on. yeah, he's still pretty... I mean, he's not green, but he hasn't developed the yeah. personality that we would see later that makes him a memorable character. Yeah. So there's really four people in the ring that, as of right now, I don't give much of a shit about. <laughs> right. That's the main event, too, is how you just described <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> After Meng misses a standing senton, Luger and Bagwell come in, and Bagwell dominates, uh, doing a good job fi- firing up the crowd. The males manage a three-count, but uh, Jimmy Hart is distracting the ref, which allows Meng to attack Buff and Riggs, who... Uh, and Scotty Riggs is then put in the torture rack by Luger, and the ref turns around just in time to see this and award the victory to the Dungeon of Doom team. They, they, that match was way tougher than you would imagine with like t- the two top tier like Dungeon of Doom members against American Males. Like it, they had a lot of difficulty beating yeah, them. You, you would think one way to open the show, like especially since the last one ended with Luger turning heel, like really officially, is they just could have had him and Meng come on and just murder the American males and beat him in like two minutes or something. The only thing I would take exception to that is that the males were just recently the tag team champions and they're a young yeah, team. That's fair. I would have given Meng and Luger jobbers, or I would have given them somebody like Bunkhouse Buck and Dirty Dick Slater who haven't even appeared on Nitro yet, so they're yeah. clearly not a priority. I would send those guys out, and I would absolutely have Meng and Luger, because Luger just turned heel. He should look very strong to sell right. this, you know, the new character. Right. So uh, I, I don't really agree with the matchup, who they chose for this match. Uh, and yeah, it, it just would have made a lot more sense for somebody lower down the card to just get completely dominated by the heels in this case. Yeah. After the commercial, the fucking footage is here, guys. Woo! <laughs> Wait, is this before or after Mongo um, shoots Bobby Heenan in the face with the silly string? Has that happened already? Th- that no, has not happened. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bischoff absolutely begs children to be careful when trick-or-treating. Like, he is painfully <laughs> sincere at this moment. On behalf of WCW <laughs> heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan, too. Mongo offers Bobby a choice between trick or treat uh, and then sprays Bobby with silly string. Just Bobby looks, I think, legitimately kind of pissed about this. Yeah. And Bischoff, in response to a man shooting another man with silly string in the face, says, you are living on the edge. (laughs) That's what I was going to bring up. (laughs) 
We finally see footage of the ending of Halloween Havoc. So it's arrived. It's been put in the truck. Uh, as we, you know, we already went over that early in the show. When we come back from that, the Dungeon of Doom are in the ring. And let's hear what they have to say. Of course, that happened last night at Halloween Havoc in Detroit. An incredible. Let me say, first of all, that is not his belt. Wait a second. If I may be so bold, I know I'm in a mixed company here, but he did not win that world title last night, even though he left with a belt. And what about you, for crying out loud? You know, Tony Schiavone, the whole world wants to know why in the world did Jimmy Hart turn his back on the immortal Hulk Hogan? Well, maybe you'll read about it in my brand new book, or maybe I'll tell the whole world about it next week on Monday Nitro. But let me say one thing. Kevin Sullivan warned you, Hulkster. He told you there was evil living in your house. The evil has been Jimmy Hart all along, baby. Jimmy Hart is the only manager that Kevin Sullivan has ever had in his whole lifetime. He is my past. The Giant and Lex Luger is Jimmy Hart's future. Speaking of backstabbers. <laughs> Tony Schiavone, my, what an evening that was. What I'm talking about is the vision of Hulk Hogan laying there in a crumpled, pathetic heap. The Macho Man, Randy Savage, laying there in a crumpled, pathetic heap. Heat! What a pile of garbage! You know what, Hogan? You call me a little dog, a vulture. You got a piece of the total package. You got a piece of the giant, and he's got your belt. And that is what it's all about. You know, say what you may, do what you will, but nobody's gonna knock this giant off the hill. I'll defend this title this coming Monday night on TV with everybody that gets in the ring with me. Hogan, anybody, I don't care. This is my belt, and I'm not giving it up to anybody. Uh, Hogan, I told you this would happen. The cloud of the Dungeon of Doom came over you. You see, there are no friends out there. There's only foe. Everybody has their own agenda. This is a fighting champion. Next week on Nitro, he will defend his belt. All right, next week on Nitro, he says he will defend his belt. And fans, don't forget that next week we will be live in Jacksonville, and you will make the call live interactive. The Horseman will be there. Sting will be there. Our entire Nitro team will be there for Eric Bischoff. You're sick. For Steve McMichael. Well, that was a whole lot of nothing, Dave. Uh, what did you What did you make of this promo here? Um, for one thing, they they made sure to make it as confusing as possible as far as who the champion is. Right. Because yeah, coming out of Halloween Havoc, as we noted earlier, Hogan won on a DQ. Uh, no, Giant lost won. on a DQ. Hogan well, lost, it's been basically. very, it's sort of, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Mm. The impression that you're given at the time, I think, is that Hogan lost. But the way that they actually, or that Hogan won, excuse me, by DQ. But the way they actually decided to call it is that because Jimmy Hart hit the referee first and he was Hogan's manager. Right. They decide that the Giant has won by disqualification 
and we'll get and the giant leaves with the belt which traditionally of course does not change hands on a disqualification yes so the giant is parading around essentially right now in what seems to be as an Ill- illegitimate champion yeah. especially since like hogan had him dead to rights at the end of the match too right oh well, of course because yeah. as be clear and uh, i want to take a moment and talk about that a little bit uh on dave Su- uh kevin sullivan's podcast God, I would never listen to a Dave Sullivan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Kevin Sullivan's podcast, he says that Hogan had agreed to job for the Giant clean. That he wanted, he was the one who wanted to work with the Giant. That was Hogan's call. Uh, Kevin Sullivan didn't think that Giant was ready, and he also thought that it was a mistake to try to capture uh, lightning in a bottle twice. Uh, Hogan did it the bit with Andre you couldn't just do it again with the giant and expect the same kind of results Uh so Kevin Sullivan didn't really like the program but he was happy that they were going to make the giant uh, they were going to make him in one night and they were going to make him big they were going to have him beat Hogan clean yeah but very close to the event uh, really last minute people as they always do got in Hogan's ear and convinced him that he shouldn't be jobbing to the giant because he beat Andre why would he lose to Andre's fake son right uh, so Hogan came to Kevin Sullivan and said that he wouldn't job. Uh, he wouldn't do it clean anyway. Uh, so hence this fucked up finish that we get. And uh, and Kevin Sullivan said usually he could talk to Hulk, but on this one, Hogan just would not move. And Hogan also was the impetus behind Luger turning heel because if the Giant had just completely sucked or had failed to get over with the crowd or whatever, right. Luger was there as a backup plan for Hogan's next program in case the giant just wasn't going to cut it so a lot of the weird shit that that doesn't make a lot of sense and was executed kind of poorly is because hogan uh, was insisting last minute on going over or not going over but but on not losing clean yeah he he essentially went over though yeah that (laughs) that sullivan story i i actually don't think i believe any of that you know i i kind of feel like he maybe also Hulk Hogan favors or something like that because <laughs> every time he talks about WCW backstage at that time he always defends Hogan and just the the story you hear from everybody else is that Hogan always made it all about himself and would always shoot down doing jobs of any kind other guys and well he case, could he could be that. wrong about people getting in Hogan's ear but I mean he the story that Sullivan tells is not flattering of Hogan I mean it's, oh okay it's still Hogan changing shit last minute and making him upset. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, how, how Hogan came to that decision, uh, that could be any number of things. But Sullivan is pretty clear that this was a poor decision made by Hogan that fucked up the yeah. the trajectory of, of the program and of the Giants career. Yeah, and the three of us can agree that Giant could have come out there and just destroyed Hogan in like five minutes and pinned him clean as a whistle, and it wouldn't have hurt Hogan long term whatsoever. Right, exactly. Yeah. When when Hogan then beats him the next time, it's a bigger deal because he, he this guy beat him. I it's yeah. Yeah. very yeah. short sighted thinking, uh, which is certainly uh, a continual habit of Hogan's. Right. Uh, I also like in this uh, this interview that they do that Jimmy Hart says that he may reveal what happened behind the scenes in his next, in his new book that he's going to release. Right. Or maybe he'll just do it next week on nitro. And there is no book, right? Right. There's no book. I don't know if that's just him trying to deliver a line and kind of goofing it up a little bit, but it doesn't make any sense for him to come out there and say, I'm going to tell you the secret next week. If it was like, you know, he's not in the building tonight, but we've heard from his representatives. He's going to be out here next week to reveal the shocking whatever twist but him coming out and saying i'll tell you next week is right. weird 
Luger also does not really get into why he did any of the things he did at Halloween Havoc. Uh, he just sort of cuts a heel promo while Kevin Sullivan writhes around on the floor like he's Hulk Hogan getting beaten up. Yep, that's our that's our second pantomiming. And it really undercuts the character of the Taskmaster, who's supposed to be like a dead-eyed Satanist, <laughs> that he's like sitting here playing... He's like a kid on the playground making fun of another little boy. Yeah. It really was a... It's just not consistent with the character. Kind of a shitty, shitty choice. Uh, the Giant says that he's going to defend his title next week against anyone who steps in the ring with him. So uh, I'm excited to see what titan of wrestling, yes. Yes. what Top giant, what legend of the forward. industry is going to take on the Giant next week. We will certainly find out. Nitro goes off the air with various heels shouting over Shivani trying to make his closing <laughs> yeah. remarks. He just tries to send off the show and all of the heels just start yelling over him. Right. That's awesome. In our Raw report, Goldust defeated Savio Vega in the most 1995 sounding match I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. Um, I think that was a thing where like the week before they had to draw or something like that. So then they held the title. Was it something like that? No, that's... that's... That's, Is that uh, much later? Next spring. Okay, so. don't mind me. Marty Jannetty defeated a jobber. The Smoking Guns defeated some jobbers. And Razor Ramon defeated Owen Hart by disqualification when Yoko Zuna interfered. And speaking of uh, dangling threads that I wanted to close up, a long time ago, I, I can't remember what week specifically, on a Raw report, I claimed erroneously that uh, PG-13 defeated the Smoking Guns in a non-title match. I actually found out that was a mislabeling by the WWE Network. Uh, PG thirteen just defeated some jobbers. I don't. I don't think they ever got a win over the Smoking Guns. At least not at that point. Cool. Well, it's that. It's good to crack that. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show. Yes. In the ratings roundup, Raw had a two point two, and Nitro coming off of a pay per view was the victor with a two point five. Nice. So once again, the show that's following a pay per view for their respective company wins the evening. And these two are really trading victories. I mean, week to week, it's it's going back and forth. This is. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not the height of popularity of the Monday Night War, but it's certainly um, it's certainly good to see that they're competitive because we know uh, that WCW has a long streak coming up where they don't lose. And then, of course, WWF will take the lead for quite a long time until the demise of WCW after that. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to see these periods where it absolutely is back and forth week to week. Yeah. And I also I think it. Like for this particular Nitro, it was like one that we saw about a month ago where they spent a lot of the time hyping up next week. Because um, I I don't know if that was maybe a strategy they had if they lost a week or so that they tried to get one that could definitely win. Yeah. Uh, Sullivan, Sullivan says in his podcast, they ask him about this episode, and he essentially admits uh, that this was like a placeholder show. He yeah. says... You know, wrestling can't all be high spots. It can't all be constant action. Sometimes you need to have ebbs and flows. So he just, without saying throwaway show, he essentially says this was a throwaway show. Yeah. They had a lot. He wanted to build a lot for World War Three, but he didn't want to put too much on everyone after all the crazy shit that came from Halloween Havoc. Yeah. What, uh, John, what was your match of the night? Oh, boy. Um I guess it's probably it'd probably be Sabu against Disco Inferno. Um, I guess a lot to talk about, kind of what we were saying that uh, the Disco um, he was just so gung ho um, about getting his gimmick over, like checking right. his hair and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the most entertaining match. I don't think this was a particularly strong show, though. No, wrestling wise, especially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave, what was your match of the night? 
Uh, I would give it to Eddie Guerrero versus Craig Pittman. Um, I mean, just about every week, if Eddie Guerrero is yeah. on there, he he's a pretty good contender. Again, I don't think there was a lot of like really standout matches, but yep. that was so. I give that one. Also, the fact that that you could tell Eddie Guerrero is able to get more of his opponents than most guys because absolutely. we saw a lot more of Craig Pittman than we saw with Kurosawa. Yep, absolutely. My match tonight, I'm going to side with John on this one, and I'm going with Sabu versus the Disco Inferno. Although I did think, um, yeah, none of these matches were all that great, but it was it was the best of the bunch, and uh, I think that's going to carry over to my MVP of the show, who was the Disco Inferno. Nice. Uh, as we've discussed a lot on the show, I'm I'm really loving this character. Uh, he's somebody that is some uh, as a fan that was not really into WCW back in the day. Uh, he's really been a revelation for me because I was kind of aware of him, but mostly as just the punchline of a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a goofy gimmick. But watching him, he is amazing. I absolutely love this guy. And yeah. every time he's on TV, it's it's a joy to watch. So he is uh, – this isn't the strongest show, so it's maybe – it's not the most impressive. MB- this isn't Ric Flair having a great match and cutting an amazing promo. Right. Uh, but it's he's, he's the highlight of the program easily, so he's uh-huh. my MVP. Dave, who's yours? Um, well, I, I, I kind of, I, I'm going to switch from what I originally had. And due to the fact that you mentioned that this is the last time we see of him, uh, I'm going to give my MVP to, uh, Sabu for, for tonight, because, uh, I, even with his really short period, he always had like unconventional segments. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> way. It's a good way of describing it. <laughs> but he his were always entertaining. You couldn't really you never knew exactly like is he going to win? Is he going to get disqualified? And it's really unfortunate that they didn't uh do more with him. So, I'm going to give my MVP to Sabu. Sounds good. John, who is your MVP of this program? Uh, I think I'm going to go with uh Rick Flair. Um I really like the the Horseman promo and uh actually it's it's kind of nice. I I totally forgot how this whole thing ends up. I don't even remember who the fourth horseman is. <laughs> oh, um, sure. Yeah, so it's actually it's got to be kind of cool. And the promo um, built that, I think, uh, Tim, you mentioned this really subtle comment by Pillman that they were still looking for number four. So I'll go with the Nature Boy. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you so much. That'll wrap up this episode of 20 Years of Nitro. want to remind everyone that you can uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro on Twitter at 20 years of nitro. And you can email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. We hope that you join us next week as we hope to find out why the fuck Jimmy Hart turned his back on Hulk Hogan. We need to find out who the WCW champion is. We need to find out who's going to take on the giant for uh, what he claims is his championship and maybe Lex Luger will tell us why the fuck he did what he did. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack still from Halloween Havoc. Uh, so much it's going to take us two weeks. And and also, we are on the road to World War Three. World War Three is a, is a standout sort of show because it, it, it's known for a particular match. And maybe we'll get a better idea of exactly what's going to happen during that pay-per-view. Well, I'm looking forward to all that and more. John, thank you so much for joining us again here on the show. It's been a privilege to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, well, we'll see you next week on 20 Years of Nitro, where the big boys play. All right, welcome back to the action. And this reminder for all you kids who are out there, have fun tomorrow night. If you're out 
trick-or-treating and, and having fun on Halloween, but please, on behalf of all of us here at WCW, the World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan, be careful when you're out there. Be very careful when you're out in the streets hey, trick-or-treating. Yeah, wait man. a minute. Speaking of trick-or-treating, Pippi wanted me to ask you guys, trick-or-treat, by the way. Well, I'll tell you what. Trick well, or treat. On behalf of our sponsor, see, it's a treat. Trick or treat. All right, let's talk about it. We you don't have anything for trick or treat. No, 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 no. Here, here is your trick, my friend. Oh, my goodness. Steve. Trick or treat. I'll tell you what, you do live on the edge. All right, we have got the footage. They are racking it up. You wanted to see what happened last night.